by the power of the Holy Spirit working through word and sacrament. Then we hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. My friends, it's just that simple. It's in the divine service that he's there for you, that he delivers the forgiveness. That's where he promises forgiveness will be. Uh, And so that's why it's so important uh, to be in church. We long that God would answer the prayer when we pray, deliver us from evil. Get me out of here. Get me out of this sin-filled world. That is Jesus Christ uh, who says, Do not count their sin against them, for my blood has paid the price for that. Now on 95.7 FM, it's Proclaiming the One with Pastor Clint Poppy and Pastor Adam Moline from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome once again to Proclaiming the One. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Bader, I just I have to giggle and chuckle after that big, long intro. Uh, hopefully you're not disappointed after that big, long buildup of the intro. <laughs> it's, it's us. Um, and uh, here we are. No, we're very thankful that you've tuned in today. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the readings for the first Sunday after Christmas. Merry Christmas, by the way. Oh, yeah, yes. Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, Freilicher Weihnachten. Ja, sprech Sie Deutsch, ja? Ja, sprechen Sie Deutsch. Das ist gut. It always sounds so pleasant coming from a German-speaking perspective. Ou si le parle français, joyeux Noël. Okay. Uh, and that's where I'm going to have to live. Uh, leave that. <laughs> Boker Tov, I guess. Uh, you good know. morning, yeah. Yeah, good morning. That's the best, best I can do. Uh, no, it is. Uh, we're basking in the glow of our Christmas celebration. The first Sunday after Christmas, the season of Christmas is upon us. We're still singing Christmas carols in church. The world may have already put the Christmas carols away. But uh, we are still singing Christmas carols in church. We are in the middle of the 12 days of Christmas now, and we're uh, building up. Next week, we'll be celebrating the Epiphany of our Lord, and so that is a a special day in the church year and in the church calendar as well. But today, we're going to have kind of a continuation of the Christmas celebration, and that is always a fun thing to have. Uh, The introit is a portion of Psalm 93, selected verses. Vicar, take it away. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring, mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Psalm 93, it is a kingly psalm, and as God our King reigns in heaven, We may think that he is detached from the earth. We may think that he is not connected or not concerned about the things of this world. However, that is a false understanding. Your decrees 
are very trustworthy. Whose decrees are trustworthy, Pastor, and why does this make a difference in our life and in our world? It's telling us that God's decrees are very trustworthy, that his word is true, and uh, that we might believe it. And that's important for us to know because um, his word speaks such a good message to us, that our sins are forgiven, that we have eternal life, that uh, we have uh, grace and mercy from Jesus Christ. Uh, All those things that God tells us are true. I'm wondering here, too, if the word decrees is not also true. broader in in saying that all the laws and words of God are things that are um are included in that uh, the the word there um your testimony is all the things that you proclaim uh the word of God is truth and in that word we have great promise God's word is true in that word we have great promise we can cling to it uh, thick or thin. I uh, I needed to check back while you were, uh, I don't have my Hebrew Bible with me today, but I needed to check back with regard to this. Psalm 93 is a very short psalm. And while the verses here are out of order for dramatic effect, the entire psalm, Psalm 93, is our introit. And so that is uh, that is kind of a special thing when that happens. It does not happen very often. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Well, God's holy. Um, Are we just telling a holy God that he is holy? Or is there something else that's going on with regard to this holiness of God? Pastor, you want to take a stab at that? Yeah, um... We have to maybe start with the word your house and understand what that means. It has to do with all those who belong to that person or the descendants thereof. And um, when we are Christians, we are a part of that house. In holy baptism, we are adopted into the house of God. We become God's children. Uh, We even sing the hymn, God's own child, I gladly say it. Through the waters of holy baptism, that's us. And then we have that word holiness befits your house, O Lord. Uh, The holiness that is imputed by Christ, by his life, death, and resurrection, given to us in baptism, uh, makes God's house, his descendants, or us, uh, holy forevermore. We have that uh, that terminology in the Christmas story because Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem to be counted because they belong to the house and lineage of David, and so we have that in our in our gospel, uh, the Christmas gospel. We have that terminology, and when God is talking here about the household of God. It's just talking about the faithful children of God. So, Vicar, connect the dots for me. We have the trustworthy word of God. The word of God goes forth, and it is trustworthy. We can believe it. We can take it to the bank. And because of that trustworthy word, holiness befits your house. How does one bring about the other? Because God's word is always true, we can take as fact the things that God says about us. Uh, When Jesus says, go therefore and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we know now that we are his people. We are part of his lineage, his household. Um, 
And so we have the promises that come with that. We are holy. We are the saved people of God. Um, Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. These are the promises for God, and because his word and promises are true, we can always believe them. Pastor, is this talking about how we are declared holy by God through the forgiveness of sins won by Jesus, our righteous king? Or is this talking about the holiness of living that should follow for anyone who is a follower of Jesus, our holy king? I'm not sure that we can separate those. Um, Of course, you know, we are holy because God declares us righteous through Jesus Christ. And as a result, we do uh, desire and seek to live a holy life here in this world, of course, uh, that sinful nature doesn't completely die until we leave this world, either through death or Christ's uh, coming return. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know that we can separate those two sorts of things, uh, but rather to understand that in Christ we are holy now uh, and uh, we live a holy life because he declares us holy. Okay, so it's kind of a both and then. Yes. Um, the uh, The next line talks about your throne is established from of old you are from everlasting. Now, what is the nature of human kings with regard to longevity in comparison to what God's Word teaches us here in Psalm 93? Yeah, it'd be a thing where, uh, well, even King David, how long did he rule? Only for 30 years. And then, of course, Solomon had it for a little while after that. And then after that... Uh, the kingdom got shorter and shorter and shorter with each descendant after that. You know, a few years there, a few years there. And uh, that's not so with God. His kingdom is forever. His rule is never ending because God's not sinful like we are. Our human institutions fail, but God's does not. Kings die. Kings get assassinated. Kings get impeached. Oh, I don't know about that. Kings uh, uh, fool around with their brothers' wives and get deposed. You know, there's a military coup or whatever. The nature of human kings, human political leaders, worldly leaders, is whatever, is that it is temporary. It is temporary. God's rule is forever. Now, Pastor, I want you to help connect all of this. My basic question is, so what? Now, specifically, God's word, God's decrees are forever, and they're trustworthy. God is holy. He holies us. He calls us to a life of holiness. And then the rest of the introit, the rest of the psalm, basically talks about how God is a king forever and ever and ever and ever. How does all this fit together for the child of God. Well, and and I think we have to understand the gospel lesson as we get prepare for that uh, coming up when uh, Christ goes to the temple um, as a baby. Um, This is also then about God reigning on his throne, which uh, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, we have that he's dwelling between the cherubim above the uh, the Ark of the Covenant uh, within the tabernacle, and then that gets put into the uh, temple. And this whole idea then that God is dwelling amidst his people, 
um, in that place and uh, that his people are holy then, not necessarily because of themselves, but because God lives among them and declares them to be holy and uh, uh, proclaims the forgiveness of sins to them uh, in the Old Testament through sacrifice and then also for us in the New Testament. uh, He is among us as well. Um, declaring us holy in the waters of baptism, uh, giving us the sacrifice of his son upon the cross, um, washing us in that blood and that forgiveness. And so all these ideas are being connected together, especially then God sitting upon his throne. The Old Testament on the Ark of the Covenant, for us he sits in heaven uh, and reigns from there as, uh, as God robed in majesty. And one day we'll be there to see him face to face with our own eyes uh, in the kingdom of God that uh, has no end. And since our God is king forever, we don't have to worry about a new king with new rules and a new plan of salvation and different decrees and different laws and like when one political party changes and then the next one takes over and we have a whole new set of rules and who's going to control the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court really makes the... No, we don't have to worry about any of that kind of nonsense with God. His word is sure. His word is true. He reigns forever. Your salvation is complete in the king lying in a manger, hanging on Calvary's cross, risen and ascended for you and for your salvation. We need to take a short break. This is Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Bader. We're looking at the readings for the first Sunday after Christmas, proclaiming the one. We'll be right back. to K-N-N-A-L-P, 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Proclaiming the One. One of the one of the great, awesome, and yet not as familiar Christmas carols. Infant, lowly. Uh, what a uh, what a beauty! And we hear those children's voices like that. Uh, just I just love it. Just send shivers up my spine. We are talking about the infant Jesus, and we're going to pick up our Proclaiming the One in this segment by looking at the gospel reading for the first Sunday after Christmas, Luke 2, 33 to 40. Luke 2, 33 to 40. And Pastor, would you want to give us a 60-second overview of what we have skipped? You know, most people most people think of the traditional Christmas story, the Charlie Brown Christmas story, Luke 2, 1 to 20. The shepherds go back. Everything was just like they had been told. They marvel and worship and praise God. From verse 21 to verse 30, 
31, 32. There's a lot of stuff that happens. And we're going to pick up with our gospel reading, Luke 2, 33 to 40. So what's in that gap that we're going to skip? Well, we uh, will celebrate the circumcision of Jesus uh, in just a couple of days, actually, which is uh, at the end of the, uh, the birth story. We also then have a period of time where mom recovers from the birthing process, Mary does, and when that's all done, then she's required to go to the temple and uh, offer sacrifice for her firstborn uh, for purification, and that we'll pick that up here in a couple weeks as well. And uh, they meet Simeon while they're there for that purpose, and uh, the, Simeon uh, sings the nuke demitus to them uh, now i may depart in peace and that's kind of where we pick up uh is simeon right after he sings is still talking to mary and joseph and uh, kind of uh being a prophet if you will about who jesus is okay one of those uh one of those extremely significant sections of scripture and we're going to divvy it up into three parts and we'll cover it all we're not skipping any of god's word but for the gospel reading today luke 2 33 to 40, right after Simeon sings the Nunc Dimittis. Go, Vicar. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God, and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Okay, we got a lot of things in this text that we want to pull apart. Um, first of all, we have Simeon singing the Nunc Dimittis, and then immediately in verse 33... His father and his mother marveled at what was being said about him. This is the father and mother of Jesus, Mm -hmm. the uh, adopted father and the biological mother, Joseph and Mary. They are marveling at what was said about him. Pastor, what's going on here? Why are they marveling? Because the angel told Joseph that Jesus was going to save his people from their sins, The angel told Mary that she was going to uh, be the mother of God and that salvation would be for all people through him. Why, Why are they marveling at this point? Shouldn't they have been expecting this? Well, I mean, uh, definitely the angel had told them what was going on, and the angel will appear to them again in a little while, tell them to flee to Egypt for a little while also. But can you just imagine uh, running into a a, a random uh, older gentleman in the temple who uh, reiterates the same message that Jesus will be that man's salvation, 
and uh, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. Uh, I mean, just imagine, um, so a couple weeks ago when you're uh, shopping for Christmas or now if you're doing your returns and you have your baby with you and uh, some random person comes up and says, oh, yeah, this baby is really something. He's going to become the uh, savior of the whole world. That's kind of what's happening, and that marvelous message just keeps on striking them in the way that it keeps getting reinforced to their ears as well. Uh, it's it's unexpected in that regard. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I do know what you mean. We have the unexpected arrival of the Magi that uh, we, is recorded for us in uh, um, Matthew chapter 2. We'll take a look at that next week as our gospel reading. We have all these unexpected things where people know that Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah, and all the people who should know don't. The religious leaders of the day, the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. So we have this playing out right before us how this salvation has been revealed, and yet some people believe it and others don't. And so the marveling continues throughout all the pages of the New Testament. That's something for our hearers to be aware of and conscious of as they read the scriptures on their own. Okay, so they marveled. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. All right, we got some heavy stuff here. Uh, they may They may have been marveling in a negative way, after they heard this. Now, when I go to the uh, bookstore or to the library, I can check out a book that would be The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. I can check out a book that would be The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. There are lots of books, biographies that are out there that chronicle the rise And then the fall of a person, a political party, a business, a government, an empire. The wording here is extremely odd. Simeon says that this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Pastor, you want to take a stab at that? Yeah, I think that... um we have to understand Jesus as the pinnacle of what the nation of Israel is for. We've had the promise of Jesus uh, carried all the way through the Old Testament, given first to Adam and Eve, uh, carried on through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, promised uh, through the, uh, uh, the tribe of Judah, the house of David, uh, Solomon, all those people. Everything in the Old Testament, the pinnacle is found in Jesus. He's the thing that's been promised that all the faith was supposed to look to. And now he's here, and the moment of reckoning is there insofar as will people believe in him or will they not? And those who do not believe uh, fall away from the faith. Uh, those who do have faith in him uh, will rise almost literally uh, in the resurrection on the last day and be granted eternal life. Um, we have this contrast then in those two people, the ones who believe and the ones who don't. And the hinge point where that contrast is found is who is Jesus? 
And as Simeon has just confessed, he's the Savior of the world, the revelation of the Gentiles, and the glory of the people of Israel. Whether you believe that or not determines uh, your fall or your rise. It's interesting, uh, and I was glad that you took us back to what we traditionally call the fall in Genesis chapter 3. Because you cannot understand the need for salvation, the need for Jesus, the promise of a Savior, unless you get Genesis 3 right. So we have the fall that took place historically in the garden. Jesus, the Messiah, throughout the pages of Scripture, especially in the book of Romans, is called the second Adam, who um, conquers all of the temptations that the first Adam did not conquer. And so we have all these things going on here as well. And then at the end of your statement, Pastor, you, you talked about resurrection, and, and in I, the Greek, the word rise there is the same word, anastasin, uh, or resurrection, rising from the dead. Go ahead. So uh, to make that connection, the reason why the fall into sin is nothing for a Christian to fear is because of the fall and rising of our Lord and Savior Jesus. If you want to think about it in this term, in these terms, um, the fall of Jesus does, is not talking about some kind of a fall into sin, but he becomes sin on our behalf. He takes our sin onto himself and into himself, and he is literally uh, barbecued, roasted for us on the altar of the cross. Jesus' fall looks like defeat as his body is hung up, suspended between heaven and hell. And yet this is the victory cry that all of us need to tell us die, it is finished. Jesus dies on Good Friday. Most people look at that as a negative or a fall. But what does Jesus do with dead things? Makes them alive. In the same way that Jesus, who was dead, now lives and reigns to all eternity, we who cling to Jesus, who in our fallen nature uh, deserve nothing other than sin, death, and hell, uh, God makes us alive with Christ in the waters of holy baptism. And so his fall and rising, his death and resurrection, becomes our fall and rising our death and resurrection. All of that is wrapped up in that one little phrase, and many times we just look past it, sadly. We've got a lot more to unpack here, and maybe, you know, we've got just a minute or so left. Um, this will be a sign. Lutherans don't talk much about signs and symbols because we believe in the real presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus. How is this a sign to be understood, Pastor? Well, I think um, a sign that is opposed. Uh, Paul talks a lot about this in the uh, epistles. Uh, we preach Christ crucified a uh, uh, stumbling block for Jews or a stumbling block for those who don't have the faith and yet for us the power of forgiveness of sins life and salvation uh, you know 
that idea comes up a time and time again. The cross, where Jesus hangs and dies, that's the sign uh, that will cause many to stumble, cause many to hate, cause many to be angry, cause many to oppose the faith. And yet for us, uh, it is such a great message. And it goes on then, as he says, that same piercing uh, will be in Mary's soul as well as she sees her son hanging there upon the cross. Okay, uh, hold that thought right there. We need to take a break. When we come back, we want to talk about the soul, the sword that pierces Mary's soul, and take us into this funky, strange story about this prophetess Anna. Don't go away. We'll be right back. at noon on KNNA. Welcome back to Proclaiming the One. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Bader. We are privileged to serve at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're looking at the readings for the first Sunday after Christmas. We also have some special opportunities for worship this week on New Year's Eve, December 31st. Monday evening, we'll gather at 6 p.m. 6 p.m., we will... Say goodbye to 2018 and usher in 2019 and ask for God's blessings on the new year. On Wednesday, January 2nd, we'll have our regular Wednesday worship service like we do year-round at 6.30. And we will celebrate the circumcision and name of Jesus this Wednesday. And we'll pick up that single verse, Luke 2.21. Uh, with regard to the circumcision of our Lord and Savior Jesus. We gather every Sunday at 8 and 10.30 with Sunday School for all ages in between. We'd love to have you join us in person. You can listen on the radio. You can check us out on the website, www.thecross957.org, and we'd love to hear your feedback as well. We're looking at the Gospel reading for the first Sunday after Christmas, Luke 2. 22 to 31 is the um, in-between section, and specifically what we're looking at is Luke 2, 33 to 40. Spent most of our time looking at uh, 
the statement about Jesus being appointed as the fall and rising of many, this sign that would be opposed. And we ended with this um, sword will pierce through your own soul also. (laughs) That word is uh, spoken by Simeon to Mary. Uh, Vicar, in what way is Mary's soul pierced is is she the co-redeemer is she the co-redemptrix did she die on the cross to pay for our sins uh how is this to be understood yeah no mary uh played no part in our salvation besides the fact that god used her as an instrument in order to conceive our lord in her womb and uh she bore our lord jesus and this sword that will pierce through her own soul also is having to endure, watching her own son, the first fruits of her womb, suffer for us as he's placed before a mock trial, as he's whipped and flogged, and then having to endure watching him hang on a tree on the cross for six hours until finally he says it is finished and breathes his last. This is the sore that will pierce through her own soul. She's going to be a grieving mother. And I think the uh, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, uh, for all of its uh, wonderful things and a few of its flaws, it does a good job of showing Mary as that grieving mother with her with her soul being pierced at the suffering and death of her son, our Lord and Savior Jesus. The uh, bulk of our gospel reading for today has to deal with the prophetess Anna. We know that Anna is an old lady. She's been going to church on a regular basis. She was married for seven years, and now she is either 84 years old, having been a widow for a long time, or she was married for seven years and then was a widow for 84 years. We're not really 100% sure with regard to the uh, the wording and the translation there, but we know she's old. We know she spends a lot of time in the temple, and Uh, It says in verse 38, coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. First of all, who are the ones who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem? And why was she giving thanks to God? Pastor? Well, um, the ones waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, uh, that's all of those who have trusted that promise we talked about earlier throughout all the history of the Old Testament times. Uh, Into that time, that would be those who uh, were still faithful uh, Christians, I would say, even though we probably say they're Jews at that time, but they're looking for a Savior, a Messiah, who would come and rescue uh, the people from all the struggles and trials of the world. And um, she begins to speak uh, of Jesus as being that one, to declare him to be that Messiah, uh, to all the people that are there gathered in the outer court of the temple where she would be allowed to go. And so it's kind of an amazing thing that now we have a second person that looks at this baby and says, this is the Savior, this is the Messiah, this is uh, the, the important one who has been promised from all the history of the world uh, to rescue us from sin, guilt, and the power of the devil. She did not, this Anna, she did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Vicar, talk about the example of 
Anna in the midst of her grief, in the midst of her poverty, in the midst of her loneliness. Um, why in the world is she going to church every day? Why in the world is she starving herself every day? What's, what's going on here? What kind of an example can we glean from Anna? We can glean from her that uh, she knew that what we just declared uh, two episodes ago in our introit, your decrees are very trustworthy. The words of the Lord endure forever. And she had hope in that promise, the promise of a Messiah who was to come. So even though she was a widow now for however long, 84 years or longer, even though she had no children to take care of her in her old age, she rested on the hopes and promises of God being taken care of by those giving alms in the temple and knowing that even though she might have to endure poverty and loneliness here in this life, she had the hope of eternal life to come where she would have peace and prosperity forever because God would send the Messiah, the one to redeem her, rescue her from her sins. Now, we don't need a, a special revelation from God to make it important for us to go to church because God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Anna was fulfilling that law. She was in God's house. God was taking care of her, sustaining her, encouraging her, comforting her. Uh, certainly God gave her a special revelation that this one, this baby, was the one. We don't know any of the details about that. Pastor, what does this tell us for people whether they are male or female, young or old, married or single, um, about the importance of being in God's house, hearing God's word, and receiving the gifts of God. Yeah, um, God does not choose to work outside of any means uh, except for that he's promised to work in, which are his word uh, and his sacraments. So this Anna... Uh, spends time in the Word. She hears the preaching that's happening in the uh, uh, the temple area. Uh, she is there watching the, uh, the uh, people come in and out and hearing their prayers, and she also is praying. By being in the Word, she's able to recognize Christ, and the same is true for all of us as well. When we hear the Word, when we rejoice in the gifts that God gives, we see Christ, and because of that, uh, we can give thanks, we can have uh the promise that uh, this world is not our end, uh, that sin cannot uh, be our champion, uh, but instead that we belong to God and always shall. And the only way that happens for us is in the Word, the same way it happens for Anna. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Um, and now this uh, closing section, this little conclusion that begins at verse 39. And when they had performed everything according to the law of God... They returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Verse 39, who's the they, and what did they do that was according to the law, that was fulfilling God's word? Uh, they kept all the laws that had to be done for the sacrifices made for Mary, for her purification, uh, Jesus being the first fruits or the first uh, born of them was dedicated to the Lord. They kept everything that was required of God's people uh, that was handed down from them for the from the law of Moses. It is the they that we're talking about here is of course uh, Mary and Joseph as well. They're doing their obligations as Jews, uh, but also Jesus. 
even as a baby, is keeping the law of the Lord for us. And I think that's an important distinction for us to remember that Jesus, even as an infant, is fulfilling the law of God for us. This is his uh, active obedience, fulfilling the law, perfecting the law for us and in our stead. Pastor, that last verse, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Um, Sometimes people struggle with the fact that Jesus is God, and yet this God-man Jesus is uh, growing and becoming strong and filled with wisdom. Isn't he filled with wisdom before he's even born, while he's in his mother's womb? How do, how do we rationalize these things? And uh, the favor of God was upon him. Well, hasn't the favor of God always been upon him? What do we do with that verse, uh, verse 40 in Luke 2? Yeah, Jesus is completely man in the same way that he is uh, completely God. He, he is um, God hidden within that man. And so as we say and sing in that Christmas hymn, he laid aside his glory, was born of virgin's womb. That laying aside of his glory also allows him to need to eat, uh, to drink, uh, to stay alive. And that way uh, he needs uh, his mother to nurse him, uh, to continue to grow. Um, He is God completely hidden in man, just the same way we are. Uh, he'll be hungry. He'll uh, he'll uh, be tired. All those things, just like we do. And it has to do with the communication of attributes that he is uh, fully God and fully man, uh, together united uh, as the God Man Jesus Christ. And it is beyond our comprehension. Uh, and yet, that's what Scripture teaches, and that's what we believe. We often talk about the mysteries of God. And there are many, many mysteries that we cannot perfectly understand, reason out. They do not fit or compute with our human logic. How can God be one God in three persons, three persons in one God? I don't know. The Bible teaches it, so we believe it and confess it. How can Jesus be true God and true man all at the same time? Not two persons, but one person. You know, my, my brain wants to think about, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator movies, uh, you know, where he's the cyborg on the inside and he's got human flesh and blood. You know, I want to do all these kind of wacky, crazy things because my brain can't comprehend it. A mystery is a mystery in that God reveals it to us. All we can do is appreciate it. Cling to it, love it, confess it, knowing we will never perfectly understand it, but we can rejoice that God has revealed these mysteries to people like you and me. Jesus Christ, true God and true man, absolutely. More importantly, Jesus Christ, true God and true man for you. Life, death, resurrection for you and for your salvation. Infant holy, infant lowly. Thanks be to God. We'll be right back. We need to take a short break. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Swiftly we angels singing 
Welcome back to Proclaiming the One. We're looking at the readings for the first Sunday after Christmas. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Bader, it's our privilege to do this each week. Check out our archive section. You can listen to any individual session that you may have missed or that you want to hear again. We also have archives for, golly, about two years worth of Proclaiming the Ones now. So you can uh, check that out as well as listen to worship services, the Y files at home in your hymnal, all of the uh, self-generated programs that we have here. And of course, we would love to have you worship with us in person. Good Shepherd is located in South Lincoln, 3825 Wildbriar Lane, just north of 40th and Old Cheney, 8 and 1030 each Sunday, Wednesdays year-round at 630. This week, special worship service on New Year's Eve, 6 p.m., divine service. All right, we want to take a look at the epistle reading now for the first Sunday after Christmas, Galatians 4, 1 to 7. Vicar, take it away. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And of a son, then an heir through God. All right, we have a, uh, a marvelous section here from Galatians chapter 4. The, the entire book of Galatians is awesome. It's only six chapters. You can read it in about 30 minutes. A uh, key foundational book for the Christian faith. It was one of Luther's favorite books. Uh, his uh, larger commentary on Galatians has been considered a Christian classic uh, throughout all ages and all denominations. It is in the public domain. You can check it out free online. Wonderful, wonderful insights into justification by grace through faith on account of the person and work of God. Uh, if you send a nice email to Pastor Poppy, he'll send you a Oh, about a 80-, 90-page Bible study incorporating not only the book of Galatians, but Luther's commentary as well. So send me an email. I'm happy to send that to you for free. Um, right off the bat, we have bracketed here, verse 1 and verse 7, we have the word heir. Heir. H-E-I-R. What is an heir, and how do you become an heir, Pastor? An heir is the person that receives the things someone else has, uh, their possessions, when they die. Um, and uh, so the way you become an heir is the person that you receive things from has to die. This has to do with wills and uh, inheritances, which is that same word, heir. Um, and, uh, and so death has to happen for you to be an heir. 
Okay, so death has to happen. I was reading in the obituaries uh, the other day, I believe, I saw 19 names and a few pictures in the obituaries for the Lincoln Journal Star. Uh, so am I heirs? Uh, am I an heir of all 19 of those people? How, um, how does their stuff get into my back pocket? How does that work? Happens with a will or testament, last testament, uh, where the person who owns the stuff lays out what shall happen to it when they die, and the people that he names uh, become the heirs. So I have to either be in the family yep, or in the will. Correct. Okay. So this whole heir business, and, and there are many, many extensions. Uh, I don't want to say rabbit holes because that would make it look like it was unimportant, but there are many, many extensions of this heir discussion that we could go into, especially with regard to the Lord's Supper, uh, which is a last will and testament, but we're not going to go down that one today. We'll save that one. Here, we want to talk about the heir that God is talking about through the Apostle Paul in uh, Galatians 4. The heir is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Verse 7, you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Who in the world is Paul talking about? Uh, Is this a Jew-Gentile kind of a thing? Is this an unbeliever-believer kind of a thing? Is it a both-and, or is it something completely else? Pastor, what's happening here? Well, Paul is setting up for us a picture where we are the heirs of God, meaning the things that God had and owns, uh, we get to inherit or receive from him uh, at the time that he dies. And we can't have that uh, understanding without understanding that God does die uh, upon the cross in the person of Jesus Christ. And because he dies, we inherit all the things that God had, life, uh, uh, eternal life, uh, forgiveness, holiness, righteousness, all that stuff God had in his very nature becomes ours um, because Christ died. Now, that only happens because we're adopted uh, in the waters of holy baptism where God names us as his heir um, and uh, puts us as the people who get the things that he has when he dies. Um, We also have that idea there in the discussion about uh, being under guardians and managers until the date set. When's the date that we receive the inheritance? It's the date that we uh, leave this world, whether that be through death or Christ's coming. Under that time, uh, until that time, we're under guardians and managers, or in other words, uh, people who um, are stewards of the mysteries of God, giving them to us uh, until such time as we receive them in their fullness at the end of our life. That's pastors, uh, pastors who give us the word, pastors who give us the sacraments, uh, the things, the tastes of what is to come in the uh, the kingdom of God. Uh, that uh, you did a you did a masterful job. I was doing hand signals to Vicar here while you were talking. You were taking one point after another and bringing them all together in Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what needs to happen when you read through the book of Galatians, and especially when you're thinking Jew, Gentile, heir, non-heir, faith, unfaith, all of these things become clear and certain in Jesus Christ. And that's where I want to take you, Vicar. In uh, verse 4, we kind of have a shift, but... And the buts are significant 
in uh, Holy Scripture. They uh, they were going in one direction, and then all of a sudden God says, stop. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. That's the adoption that Pastor Moline was talking about before. That's how we get to be heirs. We are adopted into the family. Explain to me this fullness of time. It's a unique phrase, and it is an important phrase. And what specifically is it referring to here in Galatians chapter 4? The fullness of time is something that uh, I don't think we can totally understand as human beings. It is God's time. God acts when it is perfect. Um, God had promised for a long time, starting all the way back in the Garden of Eden after man had first fallen into sin, that he was going to send someone who would crush the serpent's head. Uh, He didn't say exactly when that would be. He just gave the promise that it would happen. And so this fullness of time had come when all the pieces were in place. God had ordered it just right so that Jesus could come into our flesh so that he could live under God's law for us to fulfill all the law's demands and then be sacrificed for us on Calvary so that he could take away all of our sins. And after that, Jesus, when he rose from the dead, gave the Great Commission, Go therefore and baptize all nations in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." Uh, This is where we now today receive the adoption as sons in the waters of holy baptism. Uh, God has commissioned us to do it. That is where God takes us, sinful, fallen human beings, and makes us into his children by washing away all of our sins. I don't have my Greek text in front of me, but if I remember right, I believe that fullness word is a unique word. It is uh, kind of a word that could be translated ripe when time was ripe, and sometimes it is uh, used to refer to uh, a pregnant woman. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, when the time was ripe, when the time was pregnant, you know, when a a woman, I mean, I'm taking this secondhand, when a woman is ready to give birth, uh, you can't say, okay, stop, dear, Uh, you need to wait uh, for 30 minutes till the, no, no. The baby's coming, it's coming, it's time. This is God's perfect time, and in God's perfect time, he does what he always does, and that's he keeps his promises. And that promise is fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ through the Virgin Mary for us and for our salvation. God's perfect timing. Pastor, in the time that we have left, we have been adopted into the family. Vicar said through the waters of holy baptism, we are now in the will, we are heirs. And because you are sons, verse 6, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. How does that connect, or how is that a fulfillment or a continuing of this gift of being an heir? Yeah, um, when you're adopted, the person that adopts you becomes your father. And who's the one who adopts us in baptism? It is God, 
the Father. So now uh, we can uh, ask God as dear children, ask a dear Father for all sorts of great things, for care uh, in this world and uh, uh, giving us clothing, shoes, food, drink, house, home, wife, children, land, animals, and all we have, and also uh, for the world to come where he promises to be our Heavenly Father forever, giving us those things in their fullness and completeness. Uh, That's the adoption that we have. Uh, God is now our Father. Uh, And and what a great message that is to be able to speak to the all-powerful, almighty God who created all things using the word dad, daddy, uh, father. Uh, It's a close, endearing term. It's not a a word, you know, uh, to whom it may concern up there in heaven. Can you please help us out? It's dad, help me out. Here's what's going on that we can talk to him. We've been given God's name, as Pastor Kuhlman would say. We've been given access to the Father. The Spirit actually really dwells inside of us by grace through faith. And as this salvation is real, as God has uh, Good Friday and Eastered us at the baptismal font, we are his child, and we can approach our Father in heaven as a dear child approaches his father here. All of this good news is yours through the gift of Jesus, forgiveness, life, and salvation in and through his person and work. Vicar, would you like to close things up for our first Sunday after Christmas by praying the collect of the day? Let us pray. O God, our maker and redeemer, you wonderfully created us, and in the incarnation of your Son, yet more wondrously, wondrously restored our human nature. Grant that we may ever be alive in him who made himself to be like us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 For Pastor Moline and Vicar Bader, this is Pastor Poppy. Thanks for tuning in to Proclaiming the One. We'll be back again next week looking at the lessons for the epiphany of our Lord, God's richest blessings in Christ. <laughs>